Welcome to Ami Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multifunding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multifunding, aka the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast on Ami Sites. My name is Lynn Ozer. I'm the president of Multifunding. And our fearless leader, Ami, is lost somewhere in the sky today. So I have here as my guest, Vic Thopper, and he's the managing director at Cypress Growth Capital. Welcome, Vic. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for having me on. Excited to to talk to you today. I am excited to talk to you as well. So let's just get started. I saw your background. It's Very interesting, and especially being in the venture capital world. I know you've been with Cypress since 2012, but what did you do before that? How did you get started in this path? Let's put it that way, because I realized that prior to this, you had a lot of different experiences that led you here. Yeah, at Cypress, we pride ourselves to, you know, having extensive operating experience. So that way, when we invest in a company, we can help them. So my background post-college was technology consulting. So I did that for about 10 years, traveled a good amount, helped businesses as a technology consultant. We were then acquired by one of our customers. And then at that point, I sort of switched careers through business school and started doing venture investing with the Emerging Technology Fund, which is a, a state of Texas venture fund. Did that for about three and a half, four years. And I was lucky enough to meet my now partners, Mark Goodwin and Ed Mello, who had just started Cypress. And I made the leap over to Cypress in 2012, like you mentioned earlier. So my entire career has been in technology, starting at the consulting side, moving into the venture side, and continuing to invest now over at Cypress in in tech companies. That's great. When you first started, did you own your company? I did not. Your consulting company? No, I was one of the employees there and I just rose up the ranks over time. And then then we we exited to, to one of our customers. So I by no means did I found the company, but I was there, you know, middle to the end, obviously, and then stuck around with Crossmark, who is who acquired us. So I, I stayed with Crossmark for a number of years post-acquisition. Business school is what sort of pivoted me into sort of the investment world. So you went to business school after this acquisition took place, correct? That's right. And then you went into venture investing. Did you do that on your own initially or did you join a company? No, I joined a firm that was investing taxpayer dollars, you know? So I was investing out of what we called the Emerging Technology Fund. So it was a state of Texas venture fund So at the end of the day, it was taxpayer dollars that were going into early stage companies. And this was um, 2009. The community was very, you know, there wasn't much venture investing going on. It was soft at that point, right? That's correct. And I was in Dallas. So we were one of the few places that was pretty active um, in the venture community. So 
I sort of like to say that it was sort of like a second MBA of sorts where I did get my MBA, but then this was where I really got to practically use it and then learn a ton investing in, in early stage companies. Some of them were tech, energy, life science. It was sort of all over the board, but but I learned a lot from from entrepreneurs, from my peers, um, just a whole group of folks that I sort of surrounded myself around for that about three and a half, four years. So let's talk a little bit about the venture space and, and what you learned that could be useful to our listeners who perhaps may be interested in acquiring venture capital. What is it that you look for? Tell us, talk us through that step. Say I came into you and I have this idea. How do we pitch it and what do you look for? When we meet with entrepreneurs, we're really looking to learn about the business which which entails the management team, the financials, the technology. It's not just the technology. So oftentimes we'll meet an entrepreneur and, and they they tell us all about the technology, um, which is important, but that's not just the entire business. So at the end of the day, we're looking to learn about the business in general, um, which includes the technology. So at, at the end of the day, we really, the management team is is probably at the forefront of what we look at and look for, because it doesn't really matter what you're selling or how you're selling it. Because if the folks that are leading the charge, you know, aren't somebody you'd bet on the the rest of it doesn't really matter. So there's, there's a lot of things to look at, but I would say at the forefront, it is the management team or the entrepreneur, depending on what stage you're at is who we really want to get to know because that's who at the end of the day we're going to be betting on is, is that entrepreneur, that management team, et cetera. Now, do you find that people are coming for venture or do you require that they have already, you know, their business plan is in place and they've been working on this? Do they have to be at a point where they're producing revenue before you can invest or do you invest in pre-revenue companies? Yeah, so our model is a little different than the venture model per se. The venture model is investing in early stage companies in exchange for equity and some level of control. That that's typically the venture model. The, and that's the, what you were doing at the state-run venture fund, right? That that's correct. The level of equity and control an entrepreneur gives up. It depends on a lot of factors. What what I do at Cyprus is we invest in companies, but we don't invest in pre-revenue, early revenue companies. The companies we're ref, uh, we're investing in um, from a revenue standpoint are three to fifteen million in revenue. So they're not startups per se. They they have product market fit. These are all B two B companies, so they're businesses that are selling to other businesses. Correct. Most of the companies we invest in are software as a service or tech enabled service. So they're selling some software or some service that is driven by software. That's that's predominantly where we invest. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've hit this inflection point where things are going well, they're growing nicely, and now they're looking for capital to help take themselves to the next level and for help. And given our backgrounds, we not only provide the capital, but we also provide that help. But at the end of the day, the, the equity remains with the entrepreneur. And the way we do that is we'll make an investment and starting the next month, the, the entrepreneur, the company will start paying us a, a royalty stream, a percentage of revenue 
each month until a cap is hit. So it's a way for them to get the capital they need to grow, but retain their equity, which is extremely valuable and retain their control. But at the same token, given all of our backgrounds are as operators, we bring that help and assistance like a board member would um, without taking a board seat or taking any level of control. So it's sort of a mixture of the best of debt and the best of equity put together. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds so interesting and that's really different as compared to when they're getting venture and in, in the beginning when they need to give up that equity in order to get what I would call traditional venture funding. Correct. There's always a, you know, you give up a percentage ownership. So this, what you're doing at Cypress Growth Capital is, is fascinating. Would you say that the management expertise has now been somewhat proven? So is it more the financial situation that you're looking at, or are you still interested in the individuals that form the management team? Yeah, we look at, you know, the entire business. The financials are important, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't determine success. The management team obviously plays a large part into it. The sales approach, there's a lot that goes into us deciding if we want to invest in a company. It's not just purely financial driven because financials are just telling you what has happened. It doesn't really predict the future. It gives you a sense of the future. Don't give me wrong. And it gives you a sense of how they run their business financially. But we, we want to get involved in, you know, how do you sell? What is the compelling event for a customer to buy? Is it a must have or is it a nice to have? You know, or what is your churn? What is your cost to acquire? There's a lot of things that come into us determining if we want to invest in a business or not. And I think the entrepreneurs really appreciate that we're asking questions that are not just financially driven because we're getting to know the business, not just the financials. So they appreciate and then they get a sense of, of what we can bring to the table beyond financial assistance because of the questions we're asking and the recommendations we're making. Absolutely. I mean, having been a banker and in small business, SBA lending, we never do. We don't fund research and development. They have to be ready to sell their product, although it's it's more of a startup even than what you would do because they have, you know, dollar one is yet to be made, but they're ready to do it. So, but looking at the management of the company when they don't have a history is so much different than looking at it when they do. I remember asking the the technology per se, they could be the expert in that, but have never run a business. So they need to have a partner for that position. So when you go in, explain this just a little more, and you lend them the money and you're giving them their expertise, you're lending the money at an interest rate plus a management fee. Is that how it works? No, not really. The way the model works is we invest one to five million. Uh, we can tranche it out. So we like to give entrepreneurs what they need when they need it. Optionality is really important to an entrepreneur, right? So Absolutely. if looking for five million, they may not need all five million day one. So maybe we'll start with a couple of million. As they grow, they can exercise additional tranches along the way or, or not. It's completely up to them. But, but what happens is the month after we invest, the company will start paying us a, a percentage of revenue, somewhere between one and 5%. Um, it's a fixed percentage. It's paid every month. It's affordable because as your revenue goes up and down, 
your payments go up and down. So it's always an affordable payment and it keeps going until a cap is hit. Once that cap is hit, the obligation is over. Um, the cap is expressed as a multiple of the investment. That's what uh, I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to compute the interest rate until the obligation is over. But at the end of the day, the entrepreneur is, you know, their choices are either equity or us. And if they go raise a couple of million bucks, give up X percentage of their company from their vantage point, that is a far more expensive undertaking than going with us. And, and we both bring help to the table, right? So the if they compute the interest rate from an equity investment, it's going to be far north of, of what we would lend it against. Not to mention they, they continue to, to keep their control. That's right. That's so important. So the cap is a revenue cap when they reach a certain revenue? No, or is uh, it a profitability we, cap? No, the, when, once the payments in total hit a cap, so oh, I see. million I dollars see. paying that royalty every month until a cap is hit. That I cap see. varies deal by deal. And once that cap is hit, the obligation is over. But then they're basically on their way to where they want it to be, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if we invest a couple of million dollars into a company doing, let's say, four or five million in revenue, they take our capital and our help and they get to eight or nine million in revenue their company is one stage more mature. They might have two, two times as many customers. They might have perfected their sales strategy. They might have, might have added other pieces to the management team, which is going to make their company more valuable in addition to their revenue doubling. All right. those things will come into factoring the enterprise value of the company. Got it. And we help them get there, not only with our capital, but with our help. So how often do you meet with an, a typical client? Yeah, we meet with entrepreneurs, um, I mean, essentially every day. We're, we're a team of six. We all have operating backgrounds. And we've been doing this since, you know, 2011. We've invested in 52 companies over that time. We've invested in five in the last, you know, 90, 90 days. So we've become quite active We've always been active, but it's just become busier as of late. And, and what do you think that's attributed to the jump up in activity? Yeah, I think there's two things that attribute to that. I think one is banks have become a little tighter. Oh, yes. Lending. I think equity has also become a little bit tighter in regards to investing. And if they do invest, the valuations have definitely come down. So in theory, it's more expensive. I think that's sort of a short-term benefit for us. A more long-term benefit, I think, is entrepreneurs have inherently been taught, you know, raise a seed round, raise an equity round, raise another equity round. That, that's sort of what they envision, um, what they've been taught to, to scale their business is just raising equity round after equity round. Um, and hopefully the the pie is getting better with each round, right? But I think because valuations were so high in 2021 and 2020 that now entrepreneurs are are facing the fact that they raise maybe too much money at too high of a valuation and they really haven't grown into it. And so now entrepreneurs have learned from their peers that, you know, maybe there's other ways to fund my business besides equity. And so we have be we are one of those, right? 
instead of you raising 10, 20 million, well, let me go get two to 5 million from Cyprus, grow. And then maybe at that point in time, I want to raise a large round, or maybe I want to sell my company to a strategic because I still own most of it, if not all of it. So I think that's more of a long-term benefit that that we're going to be facing is entrepreneurs looking at a variety of options, not just equity. And the cost of capital, which in the last year, you know, for businesses has gone up tremendously, which is affecting business acquisitions all the time. The business, you know, just as you said, was valued at, you know, $3 $3 million and they still want us, the seller still wants to sell it at that, but the cost for the buyer is so much more now. And, you know, they have to, they have to come to an agreement on, on what, what's going to happen. So the cost of capital, which, you know, is the interest rate on a regular loan in your scenario, the cost of capital is royalties but they obviously are getting more for that. Are your royalties affected by the cost of capital? Uh, no, that, that percentage is paid. So that royalty has nothing to do with the cost of capital. That okay. royalty just determines what your monthly payment will be. So if, if the royalty is 2% and the revenue that month was 500000 then your payment to us would be 500000 times 2%. Right. And next month, your, your revenue was 300000 well, 300,000 times 2%. So the, the royalty, the monthly payment has nothing to do with the cost of capital. It just determines what the monthly payment is. And these payments keep happening every month until you hit a predetermined right. cap. It. Once you hit that yes. cap, the obligations over the, because we are technically debt, even though we compete with equity, the cost of capital is tax deductible. There's no personal guarantees. There's no financial covenants. So it's very entrepreneur friendly in that regard. So it is. Um, the model is fascinating to me. Do you have competitors that do the same thing? Yeah, there, there's folks out there that do a flavor, I would say, of what we do. Maybe it's more traditional debt, but they're talking to companies that, that maybe are the size of businesses that we invest in as well. But many of the folks that we may encounter um, really don't bring that value add. We think it's really important if you're getting capital from somebody like us is, is to get some additional value in addition to that. We are differentiated in general, given how we invest, but we differentiate ourselves even further because of the what we bring to the table in, in addition to capital. And, and you know, our entrepreneurs are looking for that and they really appreciate that value add that we bring. So how do you find your clients? Yeah, the way we find our portfolio companies is what we call them. Portfolio companies. Yeah, the way we find the companies to invest in is sort of, you know, twofold. Folks like yourself who are sort of plugged in to tech companies. So we'll get introductions to these tech companies from banks, from from senior lenders, from accounting firms, law firms, other equity funds, even though... Technical, technically compete with equity. We collaborate because they de- see deals that are maybe a better fit for us and vice versa. Right. Um, and then we also, you know, look at the Inc. 5000 list, the Dallas 100, the Denver 50. These lists have growing companies. And if they're growing and they haven't raised venture rounds in the past, they, they typically may need capital to sustain that growth. And they probably are dilution sensitive. Why would you give up 
uh, ownership or a percentage of your company if if you're profitable and growing. You know, get some capital from me and take that capital and continue to grow and hold on to your equity because that is what's going to be extremely valuable at the end of the day is is your equity and your control. It's true. Absolutely. When you got started in this business, did you have any idea that this is where it would take you? No, I mean, I'm, I'm really blessed to have met the founders of Cypress Growth Capital, Bart Goodwin and Ed Mello. I met them early on. They had made about, I think, four investments. And I really believed in the model, but more importantly, right. I believed in them and they believed in me. And so I joined, but, but I found the model and our backgrounds and our team to be not only innovative, but unique. And I, I had confidence that what we're doing would be attractive to tech entrepreneurs. You know, did, did I envision 10 years down the road having four funds, et cetera? I, I don't know, but, but I had confidence in myself and what we were doing. So I guess the answer is yes, yeah. but we're having a lot of fun. We've expanded the team. We're meeting really passionate entrepreneurs who are, who are exiting and they're keeping their equity. So all that, that value that they've created goes straight into their pockets and, and yeah, we do well, but they do extremely well, which is, which is the intent. Fantastic. How many portfolio companies do you have? At one time. Yeah, we've invested in 52 companies since inception. Since we have about 20 or so that are currently right. active. So most of those are more recent, as you can imagine. Yeah. In our most recent fund, which is our fourth fund, we've invested in uh, 11 companies. So yeah, as we invest in new ones, others get acquired. So at the end of the day, I would envision 20 to 25 is sort of where we sort of end up from from an active portfolio. Sweet spot. And can you talk a little bit about your raising of capital? Is that a challenge? Yeah, you know, um, we're really blessed that we have a really uh, happy uh, limited partner base and LP base. So um, where we office in Dallas, we are also blessed to run into a lot of investors at Old Parkland. So but, but yeah, we have an LP base that consists of family offices as well as entrepreneurs. Um, entrepreneurs are the ones that we cater to. And so they understand the value of equity. So they really understand our model and why it would be attractive to an entrepreneur. And so our, our LP base consists of, of family offices, entrepreneurs, and then entrepreneurs that we invested in that then had a liquidity event. And now they're, they're investors in our funds. So that's, that's fabulous. Of, that's sort of the, the current base of our, our LPs. Yeah. That's really kind of exciting. So how true is it that, or is it true for you that you work with companies that come to you because they have an exit strategy in mind? I'm always fascinated by that. And what weight is put on that when you're doing this kind of investment? Yeah. You know, we don't need an exit to, to occur in order for yeah. us to exit. So if an entrepreneur wants to, if their ambition is to get acquired or exit in X number of years, that's great. If their ambition is not to do that, that's fine as well. So we're sort of agnostic to, to an exit. Mm -hmm. uh, but typically the entrepreneurs we're investing in are looking to get capital from us to let's say grow from four or 5 million to eight or 9 million. And then at that point, do one of three things is, is what typically happens. The first one is a growth equity round, right? They've, they've taken our capital, they've put it to good use, they've grown, and now they want to raise, you know, let's say 10 to 20 million and then really scale the business from there. 
Right. Um, so that one, they may take some chips off the table, may not, depending on the amount of capital, et cetera. The, the other two avenues that typically occur with our companies is a PE recap, where the entrepreneur sells a majority of their business. They get some nice liquidity, but they still keep some equity to get that second bite of the apple. <laughs> um, and then the third one is a, is a full outright sale, typically to a strategic where they've taken our capital, they've, they've grown, they still own all or most of their business. They get a really attractive strategic offer and then they sell the entire company to a, a strategic. So those, that, those are the three things we typically feed into at the end of the day, but yeah. it's up to the entrepreneur if they want to keep running their business or do one of those three things. It's entirely their decision. Yeah, and I think that's so exciting that they can work with you and then do so well that they can then invest in and pay it forward to other people who who would have the opportunity to do that as well. What is the most rewarding part of your position? Yeah, I would say, you know, meeting entrepreneurs at a point in time where they have the most confidence in what they're doing. They've always had confidence. They wouldn't be an entrepreneur otherwise. Right. Now they have a lot of data to support that confidence. The metrics are all heading in the right direction and we'll come in and fuel them with some capital and some help and see them just continue to grow and, and, and really achieve their end goals. So I think that's what really makes makes our day is meeting them at a point in time that really is special when you see that in their eyes and and in their passion and they really they meet their end goals not only for themselves but their for their employees as well so that's what we really really enjoy seeing that's great before we end i wanted to take you back to the beginning and you said that you know after college you you got involved in this but you hadn't gone to business school what did you major in when you went to school yeah, undergrad, I was um, MIS. I went to University of Texas at Dallas, UTD. So business with a concentration in MIS. Oh, um, you did. Yeah, and in, in business school, I had a concentration in entrepreneurship and strategy. That's great. I, I love that entrepreneurship has become a major in a lot of undergraduate studies now because it wasn't when I was in school and, you know, was in business and an accounting major and so forth. But because of what I've done, I have a huge fan of entrepreneurs and I love their spirit and so forth. And I believe that they're really artists with left brain and right brain capability because the creativity is exciting and and yet there's this other side of them you know that that has the business edge i i agree with you entrepreneurs are are great to be around that's right so it's terrific so tell our audience how can they get in touch with you yeah you you can go to our website uh cypressgrowthcapital.com it has our email addresses our linkedin profiles you can shoot me an email it's on the website as well. You can you can send me a message via LinkedIn. So we are very open to, to talking to entrepreneurs, even if they're too early for us. It's sort of nice to hear about your options for down the road. So um, feel free to reach out to me via email, vthopper at cypressgrowthcapital.com. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Vic, V-I-K, and then the last name Thopper, T-H-A-P-A-R. There's only, there's not too many Vic Thoppers on LinkedIn. So, <laughs> I would guess uh, so. I'm pretty easy to find. 
That's great. I am fascinated by this and and so happy that you were able to join us. One last question. Do you invest only locally or you invest all through the country, throughout the country? We we invest all over the US. We tend to to shy away from California, New York, Massachusetts. They tend to have, you know, equity tends tends to be the way an entrepreneur funds themselves and the business environment in those markets is a little bit more difficult. So we like to go to, you know, Texas, Colorado, Arizona, the Carolinas, Ohio, Georgia, Tennessee. So we like sort of that next tier markets. So, but we'll invest all over the country. Um, We tend to shy away from those three states though. Okay. Well, that's great for them to know. Thanks for sharing all of that. We really, I really enjoyed listening to and learning about Cypress Growth Capital and your journey to get yourself there. So thanks so much, Vic, for your time and have a great day. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. Thanks for joining us today on Sites. Since 2010, multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.